If you have your Bibles, would you take them out? Would you turn to Matthew chapter 11? Matthew chapter 11. Uh, tonight, as we continue this mini uh, midweek series on the invitations of Jesus Christ, we're going to turn to one of the uh, most familiar, anyway, one of the most familiar invitations that Jesus gives uh, in the Gospels. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, which takes place, the invitation uh, takes place, ironically, after um, one of the Lord's harshest, uh, harshest condemnation of those who refused to recognize him as uh, the Messiah and those who refused to repent of their unbelief. So it's an interesting kind of positioning because uh, one of the most familiar invitations that Jesus gives is given right after one of his harshest criticism of those that refused to believe and those that refused uh, to repent. So in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, it says, for instance, uh, then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because, why? Because they did not repent. And so this is the section in which he is denouncing those cities that had refused to believe and had refused to repent. So he said, Woe to you, uh, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum. Will you, be exalt, uh, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. How I many of those are pretty strong words, aren't they, uh, from Jesus? For if the mighty works uh, in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. So this is one of uh, the most harshest uh, criticisms or condemnation that Jesus gives uh, in, in the Gospels. So it's important to point that out, that section out, uh, for, uh, because that's the context of the invitation that Jesus gives in, in the following verses. Um, so that provides the context for what Jesus says next, and, and it provides what I think is a necessary contrast uh, to what he says next, which is, so let's pick back up in verse number 25. So at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by, the, by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition, uh, these two sections in which Jesus harshly uh, condemns those that refuse to believe and who refuse to repent 
And, and then almost in the next breath, as it were, he, he invites folks to come and find rest because he says, for I am lowly and I am, and I am gentle. So the, the rest that Jesus promises in verses 28 through 30 is only offered after he warns about the wrath uh, that is to come. And that's, that's important. I think it's very important because each one of us has an opportunity to accept the Lord's invitation to come to him and find rest. However, whether or not we choose to accept that invitation, how many know we all have a date with destiny, right? Uh, we all have a date with that. One day, the Bible says we'll all stand before Jesus Christ. One day we'll all stand uh, before God. And, and one day all of us will deal with this question, what did we do with the invitation that Jesus Christ gives to us to come to him and to believe on him and, and to find rest? The Bible is clear that, that there is a day that is circled on God's calendar, and God doesn't have a calendar, he, he's timeless, uh, but so for our understanding, there is, a, there is a day that is circled on God's calendar on which the Bible says he will judge the entire world. How many believe that? There's, so there's a day that is that God has set aside which he is going to judge the entire world. And, and that day is unknowable to us. Jesus said nobody knows the time. Nobody, nobody knows the day when uh, that's going to happen. So that date is unknowable to us. But here's the thing. It's out there. It's coming, right? And, and it is inescapable uh, for us. In fact, we cannot decline to stand before God uh, because that day, that day of judgment, which uh, we all stand before God, that day of judgment is, is not an invitation that we can refuse. How many knows it is an appointment we will keep? The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. It's not optional. Uh, it's not an invitation that we can either accept or reject. Uh, it is a date, it's an appointment that every one of us uh, will, will face. And so that is the significance of what Jesus says about God's wrath before he says anything about God's rest. He, what Jesus is doing is he is informing us, he's informing, informing his listeners, and he's informing us that every one of us each one of us, we have an eventual rendezvous with God's justice before um, he, he informs us or invites us to receive God's grace. So he's saying that this day is out there when you will stand before God's uh, judgment. You'll stand before God. Give an account of yourself uh, before God. There's, there's nothing we can do that will change that date. There's nothing that we can do that will change that appointment. We will stand before God because God has appointed that. That day is on, it's not only on God's calendar, it's on our calendar too, whether we know it uh, or not. It's on our calendar. So we, there's nothing we can do about that date. However, Jesus, so Jesus informs us, lets us know about that date before he then invites us to receive his grace and his mercy before we stand before God's wrath and God's judgment. Amen? Now here's, here's, here's why that is so important, and that's because the world, the world certainly believes in, and, and we 
are sometimes in danger of preaching a one-dimensional Jesus, who uh, a Jesus who always overlooks sin and offers forgiveness, only offers forgiveness and only offers uh, God's grace uh, for us. And, and it is true, isn't it, that, that Jesus is friendlier to sinners than we sometimes are? But here's, here's the truth also. The truth is, is that Jesus loves sinners enough uh, that he is going to tell them the awful truth about the consequences of their sin and their disobedience. And that's what he does in that section that we read before the invitation. He is letting them know that, you know, there are some awful consequences when you refuse to believe and you reject the invitation, reject the offer of grace uh, that I have to offer. In fact, Jesus um, Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven, and it's because here's the reason why he spoke more about hell than heaven is because hell is our default destination. It's our default destination. That's where every one of us are destined to stand before God, and unless we accept Jesus' invitation of grace, and unless we accept Jesus' offer of, of salvation, uh, then we will face God's judgment and wrath. How I many knows we're, we're already on our way uh, to hell before Jesus Christ offers us eternal life? And it's because of the Lord's compassion, because of his great love for us, he is compelled to warn us about the end of our ways uh, before he then opens up a new and a better way for, uh, for us. And so that's the context of the invitation that Jesus is giving here in Matthew chapter 11. It is, it is not... When he gives this invitation, come to, come to me, those you who labor and are heavy laden. It is not a universal promise of acceptance and blessing. It's not a one-dimensional Jesus, but rather Jesus is giving to us an opportunity to obtain something that we do not deserve before we get what we do deserve. Because what we do deserve is wrath. What we do deserve is judgment. What we do deserve is to stand before God and hear him say, woe on you, right? That's what we do. But what Jesus is graciously offering is an invitation so that we can receive what we don't deserve before we get what we do deserve. That we have this opportunity to accept his invitation and to receive, and to receive rest, to receive grace, to receive forgiveness, to receive salvation uh, before we face God's judgment and his wrath. In other words, um, Jesus is saying to his audience, "This, listen, this is what you will get when you meet God because that's what you deserve. However, if you will come to me, then I will give you what you don't deserve. I'll give you grace. And I'll give you forgiveness. Uh, one day the world will, everyone in the world, the whole world, will come before God, will stand before God. And unless they have repented, unless they have believed on Jesus Christ, they will experience 
God's wrath and God's judgment. But Jesus is saying, but if you will come to me, uh, I will give you rest. And I will give you uh, salvation. How many knows that's a great invitation that Jesus gives to us? Amen. What a wonderful invitation. So let's let's look at it more uh, closely for just the next couple of minutes. Okay, I want to point out several things about this invitation that Jesus gives. First of all, I want you to notice it's no surprise. This uh, this is an invitation. The invitation comes from Jesus Christ. It's issued to us from Jesus Christ. The invitation is from Jesus, and as I have already said in this series uh, a couple of times already, um, he is the source of everything that we need. Amen? Jesus gives us everything. The point is made exceedingly clear here in verse number 27 when Jesus says what? All things have been handed over to, to me by my Father, by God the Father. Uh, how many? There are many places that claim to have everything that you need, but how many know none of them can actually deliver on that promise? Jesus is the only one that can deliver on that promise. Uh, for instance, um, we shop for groceries at um, Walmart and IGA, and occasionally uh, we've got to go to Food Line also. It'd be great if we could go to one place and get everything that we need, but it doesn't happen. We have to go to, we have to go to, um, or I have to go, I say I have to go to Food Line because that's the only place I can find that carries Cholula hot sauce. And I love that hot sauce. And so I've talked to them at IGA. They say they can't get it. They used to carry it at Walmart. They don't, so I have to go all the way out to, to um, Food Line to get Cholula hot sauce. I can't get everything that I need in one place, uh, unfortunately. Um, so, and even when the place that you go has something that you want, a lot of times, how I many knows they're sold out, right? So sometimes they run out of things. That's, how many knows that's never the case with Jesus Christ? And he is all that we need. And he is sufficient for every need that we have. He is more than enough. Can you say Amen. So Jesus Christ has everything that we need. In fact, he is the only source for the most essential things that every person uh, needs. How many know that doesn't stop some folks from trying to meet those needs in other places? Um, so they try to meet those basic needs through drugs and alcohol and relationships and work and different things, but Jesus is the only source that can meet every need that we have uh, in our life. This passage reveals why, um, why Jesus is the only one that can satisfy our most basic needs. It's because our, our most basic, most essential spiritual needs are not met by anything that can be obtained through natural Means, in other words, um, our most basic needs, our most basic spiritual needs, can't be bought. They can't be sold. They can't be earned. They can't be learned. They must be revealed to us through Jesus Christ. Our spiritual needs can only come to us through Jesus Christ because we can't earn them. To know them out of our studying or effort or 
uh, anything that we can do. We can't earn those things. They can only come to us through Jesus Christ. Only he can reveal those things to us. The only one who can reveal our spiritual needs and provide for us is Jesus. Verse 27 says, The Father has given everything to the Son, and that no one can know the Father except those to whom the Son chooses to reveal uh, him to them. So every need that we have can be met in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is the only one who can meet all of our needs. Amen? So he is that super abundant source of God's grace and mercy. He is the only one that can meet uh, our needs. So we must come to him for him to provide for us. So Jesus is that superabundant source of everything that we could ever possibly need. And there is no lack, there is no deficiency in Jesus Christ when we come to him by faith. And that's how we must uh, access it. That's, that's how we must accept this invitation. We accept it with childlike faith. We come to him by faith. We come to him with the expectation that he has everything that we need. Uh, there is nothing we do need that he cannot provide. And as we come to him by faith that he has what we need and that he will freely give it to us. The Bible says that that when we come to the Lord, we must believe that he is, that he is a heavenly father, that he is an all-sufficient God, an all-powerful God, and we must believe that he rewards those that diligently seek him. Amen? So we come to him, we accept his invitation with childlike faith that says, God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the answer to every one of my problems. He has everything that I could possibly need. I come to you believing that you're going to give me freely what it is that, that I need. We respond to the invitation with childlike faith. I'm glad uh, that my kids, my kids don't have to worry about where their next meal is coming from. Some kids do, and that's unfortunate. My kids uh, don't have to worry about where their next meal is coming from. Well, they, they may worry about whether it's coming from Bojangles or Zaxby's or whether we're going to be cooking it at home or uh, something. But here's the thing. But they know mom and dad's going to provide dinner. It may not come as fast as they want it to sometimes. They'll tell me I'm starving. I'm starving to death. I, I, they, trust me, you're not starving <laughs> to death. <laughs> uh, but they don't, they don't worry about whether, where the next meal is coming from because they know mom and dad's going to provide it. They're going to. They're going to feed us, and and it's that's the same kind of um, that's the same kind of trust that we can have in the provision of God our Father. Amen. We can come to Him with the same kind of childlike faith that says, "God, I know that You have what I need, and I know that because You love me, You're going to provide it for me. That You're going to meet that." So we respond. To his invitation with childlike faith. We again, we don't. We're thankful that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to learn it. We don't have to buy it. We don't have to barter for it. We don't have to try to be good enough for it. We just know that Jesus Christ paid the price, and and He is willing to provide for us out of the abundance of His grace and out of the abundance of His goodness. Aren't you thankful? 
for such a gracious and a good and a loving heavenly father. Amen. This says, come to me, whatever you need. I have it. I can provide it. And I will meet that need through my sufficiency. So we respond to that invitation with childlike faith. The invitation, so the invitation is from Jesus. We respond to it with childlike faith. The invitation is to those that are, are burdened, those that are that, that, who labor and are heavy laden. I've already shared with you that occasionally, I know you do too, you receive invitations in the mail. Usually they're addressed uh, to you, but sometimes do you ever receive offers or invitations uh, that is addressed to occupants or uh, current resident? I, those I throw directly in the trash when they're addressed to occupants or current resident because I know they don't have my name on them. Um, I know they're not intended for me. The, whoever's sending them doesn't know me. They don't know my needs. They don't know anything about me. And so they go straight in the trash. This invitation, however, that Jesus gives here is, is more specific. It's addressed to those who labor and are heavy laden. I wonder tonight, does that describe you? Does that ever describe you, labor and heavy laden? How many knows it describes all of us without Jesus Christ? From time to time, it describes all of us, uh, even when we're trying to follow Jesus and serve him. We sometimes sing a song here and it goes something like this. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and he hears me when I call. Aren't you glad that we serve a personal God who knows us by name? And that when he offers an invitation to us, he addresses what we need. He knows what we, what we need because he sees us and he knows us intimately. He, he knows what we're struggling with. He knows what's going on. In our life, there was a time in my life that it used to intimidate me to know that Jesus sees everything that goes on uh, in my in my life. When I was a kid, you know, you sing that song, "Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where you go." There's a Father up above that's like. So it used to sometimes it would intimidate me to know that that Jesus sees everything that goes on in my life and that He knows everything about me because there was a lot that I preferred to just. Keep to myself. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so that kind of knowledge used to intimidate me, but eventually I began to understand that it is a good thing that Jesus has that kind of intimate knowledge about me, that he knows me by name. He sees everything that I do. He is acquainted with every struggle that I have. And in fact, he knows me better than I even know my, myself. It's a good thing that he sees me that way, that he knows me in that way, because he loves me, amen? That means he is watching over me and taking care of me. Sure, it means uh, that he is aware of some of, uh, of, of all of the things that I'm ashamed of. But here's the great thing. He doesn't use that knowledge to condemn us. He doesn't use that knowledge to accuse us. The Bible says that it's the devil that is the accuser of the brother, brethren, right? So God doesn't use that knowledge to accuse us or condemn us, but in fact, he uses his knowledge of us to help 
us, to sanctify us, to heal us, and to provide for us what it is that we need. Since, since he knows my problem, he knows my address, he knows where I'm at and what's going on in my life since he is intimately acquainted with me, that means that he knows my need and he knows uh, what I really need. And so that makes it easier for me to be honest in, in my prayers when I do come to him to find rest and to find help. I can just be honest with him in my prayers. I, um, I can't really hide the truth from him anyway, can I? That's what we talked about last week is you know, we can't hide the truth from God. He sees the truth about us um, anyway. Therefore, I can just come to him and say, Lord, here I am. You know all about me. <laughs> you, you see where I've messed up. You know, God, what my needs are. You know everything about me. And so, Lord, I'm just, I'm tired of trying to work this thing out uh, by myself. And so, please, God, I need your help. Uh, give me rest. Give me grace. Uh, give, me, give me what I need, Lord, in this situation. And trust uh, that out of his abundance and out of his provision that God can give me exactly what I need. Amen? So he knows us. And Jesus invites everyone who labors and is heavy laden. It's, in fact, it's important that Jesus combines those two things together. Uh, come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden because how many knows those two things often uh, work together to create a negative loop in in our life. The harder that you labor to carry a heavy burden, how many knows the burden becomes what heavier. The harder you work to try to carry carry it yourself, the heavier uh, it becomes, which requires you to do what. Work harder, try harder, and the burden becomes heavier. You try harder, which makes the burden just heavier, which means you have to try harder. You struggle a little bit more, and then it just seems to get harder and harder, and so you have to work harder. Do you see how that negative loop works together in, in our life? The harder we try, uh, the heavier <laughs> it becomes, the heavier it becomes, the harder we try, the harder we try. And so it goes on and on. And eventually, the devil, if, we, if something doesn't um, arrest that process, if, if something doesn't stop that negative loop in our life, then the devil can use that negative loop to just drag us down into defeat and despair and we'll just keep trying harder and harder and harder, but the burden gets heavier and heavier and heavier. So we sink down into defeat and despair. And, and, how many, and it's like trying to dig yourself out of a hole. How many knows you can never dig yourself out of a hole, right? It's just, uh, it's, it's impossible. It'll never work. And, and it, here's the good news. Jesus knows that. He sees that. And so he says, hey, um, if you're laboring hard, you're trying to carry a heavy burden all by yourself, you know, it's not going to get easier. It's just going to get heavier. And you're just going to keep trying harder and harder. Since Jesus knows that, he sees what burden uh, you carry. 
Tonight, he's, he sees what burden is in your heart tonight. He sees what heavy load you're trying to carry uh, this, this evening. He knows how hard you're trying. He sees how hard uh, you're working, and he knows that, um, that that will create just a negative loop in your life, and eventually, if it goes unchecked, you may give up, you may give out, and the enemy will have you right where he wants you to be. That's why he says, hey, if, you've, if you're laboring and you're heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Uh, so he's willing to help us if we're willing to come to him. He's willing to give us rest if we're willing to trust in him. But here's what we must be willing to do to get rest from him, the rest that he offers to us. Number one, we must be willing to take his yoke upon us. So he says if you're if you're working hard, you're trying harder and harder, you're just getting burdens getting heavier and heavier, come to me. I'll give you rest, but first of all you must be willing to take my yoke upon you. What does that mean to take his yoke upon you? Well a yoke, um, you guys are pretty savvy, a Wednesday night crowd, so you probably know this. A yoke is is what you would put on a team of oxen or cattle. And, uh, and to enable them to be able to pull a plow or to pull a uh, cart for the owner. In other words, it was, a, it was an implement that was placed upon livestock to make the livestock serve the purposes of the owner, to pull a plow or to pull uh, a cart. And so when Jesus invites us to take his yoke upon us, the part of what he is saying is he's saying, hey, make me the Lord of your life. Take, take your own yoke off of you. The burdens that you're carrying yourself, what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to do yourself, remove those, take those off. Make me the Lord of your life. Stop. Here's what he's saying. He's, he's saying stop pulling in your own direction and, and start pulling uh, in my direction. Stop, stop trying to do your own Thing, and, and why don't you start doing what I want you uh, to do? Um, he's saying you're, you're just going to wear yourself out, pull, trying to pull in your own direction, trying to do your own thing. You're just going to wear yourself out. So take that yoke off of you and put my yoke on you. You remember what the Lord told um, Paul on the road to Damascus when he met Paul? And he said, Paul, Paul, he said, um, um, it's hard for you. Do you remember this? He said, it's hard for you to do what? To kick against the goads. Which means what? He was saying, Paul, you're just, you're insisting on trying to move in your own direction. A goad, uh, y'all probably know this too, a goad is what you use to stick a um, livestock to get them to move in a particular direction, right? So they're going over to the right, you need them to go back to the left. You poke them and hopefully they'll move back to the left. And if they're moving too far this way, you poke them on this side and they move back in the right direction. And what God was telling Paul was, you keep insisting, you try, you're so headstrong, you're trying to pull, move in your own direction, and I keep trying to get you to move back in the right direction because I've got a, a plan for your life, I've got a direction for your life, and as long as you keep trying to pull in the wrong direction, it's going to be painful, it's going to hurt you. You're only hurting yourself because it, it's difficult for you to kick against the goads to try to go against the direction that I have for your life. 
And, and so when we're trying to pull in our own direction, we're insisting on having our own way. And how many knows it just gets harder and harder and harder. And Jesus, his invitation is, hey, stop trying to pull in your own direction. Stop trying to do your own thing. Take my yoke upon you. Make me the Lord of your life. Pull in the direction that I have established uh, for your life, and you will find uh, rest. Give up. Jesus is saying, give up uh, your plan for your life and try my plan for your life. And when you do, you'll find rest for your soul when you submit to my will and you just let me be in control. Amen? So if we want to experience the rest that Jesus promises to us, we must be willing to come to him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of laboring under this heavy burden, and the harder I try, just the heavier it gets, and I can't seem to be, make any progress on it. And we must be willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to make you the Lord of my life and stop trying to pull in my own direction, and I'm willing, Lord, to start moving in your direction and following your will for my life. And so we, we must learn to take his yoke upon us, and then uh, the second thing is we must be willing to learn from him. Learn from him. And that's an invitation for us to, again, we've talked about this, to follow Jesus Christ. That is, to imitate his life and to follow uh, his example. And what is his example? Jesus said, for I am what? I'm humble, I'm meek, and I'm lowly. In fact, if you have your Bibles, flip over uh, real quick the, right before we wrap up to Philippians chapter 2. Because Jesus encourages us to follow his example, to learn from him, to apprentice ourselves to him. And in Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us, gives us um, Jesus' example. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse, um, well, let's begin in verse number 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. What does Paul say in there? He said, you know, don't stop trying to pull your own cart and do your own thing. Um, but in humility, count others more significant than you than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. In verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So the way up is to do what? Is to humble ourselves before God. Paul says, don't do anything out of vain conceit, out of selfish ambition. Humble yourself before the Lord. 
serve His will. Um, take His yoke upon you. Learn from Him His meek and humble attitude. And then you will find rest for your soul. And when you do that, uh, when you take His yoke upon you, then what you're learning to do is allowing Him to take the... In fact, something, something happens when you take His yoke upon you. Look at that last verse there in... Go flip back over to Matthew uh, chapter 11. That last verse, verse 30. So when you take His yoke upon you, when you give up your plans and you take His plans upon you, verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So when you, when you give up and you take His yoke upon you, you learn from Him, then your burden becomes what? His burden. It's, it's his yoke. It's his burden. And here's, here's the key. As long as we are laboring with our burdens, as long as we're laboring in our yoke, then how many knows we're just going to wear ourselves out because we're trying, we're laboring with our burdens. Uh, we're working under our yoke. But when we submit to Christ, and how many knows, uh, they become his burdens. It's his yoke. And a yoke is always has a place for two, two side by side. And the wonderful thing is that when we trust in Jesus Christ, he does the heavy lifting for us. Amen. When it's his burden, he says, hey, I'll take responsibility for your life. I'll do the heavy lifting. I'll give you the grace that you need. Uh, because he's doing all of the work when we learn to trust in him. Amen? So if you would, I want you to bow your head. Pastor Belinda's going to come back in just one second, and we're going to spend a little bit more time in worship this evening. And I've asked her, we're going to sing that song again, Come to the Altar. But before, before we do that, I want you to bow your head and bow your hearts before the Lord right now. And I just I sense uh, that tonight I believe that um, all of us are carrying heavy burdens. All of us from time to time, uh, we identify with those that Jesus spoke to in this passage, those that labor and who are heavy laden. And it may be that here tonight uh, you're carrying a heavy burden and you just you just keep trying harder and harder and harder. The harder you try, the heavier it seems. And then the heavier it seems, the harder you try. And, and you're just caught in, in that negative loop tonight. And, and more than anything else tonight, I want you to hear uh, the invitation of Jesus Christ who is saying, you know, if you'll just bring that to me, if you'll learn to just come to me with the faith of the little child and say, Lord, you see where I'm at, you know what I'm laboring with, you know what's going on, and I'm coming to you and asking God that you would give me grace to help me, Lord. I give up my control, and I give you control, Lord, and I ask you to take charge. I submit myself to you. Help me, Lord, to begin to pull in your direction, because when I pull it in your direction, 
I know that, Lord, you'll do the heavy lifting for me and you'll give me the grace that I need.